the DH. I really like Brent Laurie, and I bet I could watch you smoke your A-Rod right all day. But when you're done doing whatever, when you're through playing whoever, you know that the Nats fans will be right here waiting for you. Flat Stanleys. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 44 of Resting Pitch Face. I'm Kay. I'm Laura. And I'm Sydney. And we're going to kind of do a slightly different format this episode. But before we get into that, as always, check us out on our website, restingpitchface.com. Follow us on our Twitter, Resting Pitchface with no G. If you go to our website, there's links to that, to our email, restingpitchface at gmail.com, as well as our merch store, which will hopefully soon have some new items in it. We're going to have slightly different format of an episode this time around because uh, it's the postseason. Obviously, the Nats are goodbyes and the postseason is happening and a lot has happened in that postseason. So we're giving, we're going to talk about some like national stuff and then we have sort of a special interview for the back half of the episode but first playoffs are a time when things get a little heated but I think Laura's got a little something that is maybe more fun from the playoff side of things yeah so I report to you live as I normally do from deep in the heart of Red Sox Nation but it is a little bit more intense here than usual I have to say I was not watching the end of the Sox Yankees series because I went to bed but I knew exactly what happened at the end of the game because everyone next door was screaming. So I really didn't <laughs> have to watch. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I, you know, battened down the hatches and pulled the blanket over my head and hoped I wouldn't run into any rabid Red Sox fans. But as, as concerned as I was for hiding from all of those types, somebody else who is a little bit higher profile than I was not able to hide from the consequences of that series. As many of you may have noticed, there was, there was a little bit of some comeuppance or maybe a, a personal bet uh, over on the Fox Sports side of the world, which again is not a side of the world we usually pay a whole lot of attention to. But when it ends with Alex Rodriguez having to wear a Red Sox uniform and have champagne poured on his head by Big Poppy, then it is worth paying attention to. So in that moment, for possibly the first and last time ever, I would say I felt myself to be a part of Red Sox Nation because, <laughs> oh my God, was that satisfying to watch. <laughs> um, and I think in that moment, he was wearing more of a Red Sox uniform than Chris Sale was yesterday. That's <laughs> like, undershirts, nah. Everyone else is like wearing a full body scuba outfit and he's like, <laughs> I don't know, I guess sleeves maybe. <laughs> it's not warm here right yeah. now. I mean- I it, it's it's not awful. We had some pretty warm days last week that were a little bit eerie, but no, it's it's snapped right back down to where you expect it to be in Massachusetts in October. So, yeah. all right, Chris Sale, you do you. I, I mean, it's not like his vendetta against shirts is a surprise. No. <laughs> but yeah, everyone's like, could somebody just bring him sleeves? If he doesn't need them, he doesn't need them, you know? Granted, he kind of looked like he needed them, but this is... <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is like this is like that kid in your third grade class who wore shorts all the way through winter, and you would see him, like, walking home from the bus stop, and you know he didn't think he needed to be wearing pants, but then his legs would turn blue. See, I, had, I went to school with kids who were from Alaska who would walk barefoot in the snow and actually were completely fine. So I tend to trust people who know what they're, you know, I'm like, okay, I, I find this odd, but... You know your body? Eh, 
I didn't give my third third grade classmates the same benefit of the doubt. So <laughs> who knows? I don't know who's right on this one. But. Okay. Well, I guess when they're when they're eight years old, you know, what do they know? Nothing. So these were always the same kids in my third grade class who were wearing the Red Sox gear. By the way, this Venn diagram was a circle. <laughs> well, oh. Chris Sale grew up to be a pitcher. I guess. Did you? Did you? Did you go to school with Chris Sale? <laughs> I don't think so. Where is he? I don't even know where he's actually from. I don't know how old he is. Like, it's possible that he's actually like a, a ring wraith or something. It it actually would check out. Like, skeletally skinny, doesn't seem to be affected by general atmospheric conditions. Quests for rings. <laughs> uh, he's twenty nine, so really? I technically could have overlapped in elementary school with him. That's a hot twenty nine. He's from Florida. Okay, so then there's no... Because re- I was going to say, like, most of the people that I saw wearing, like, the balaclavas and everything like that were the Houstoners, so the more southern team that's used to be- being warm. If he's from Florida, he should be going full balaclava. Yeah, no. Like, I just kind of assumed, like, maybe he's from somewhere cold. Like Iceland, the North Pole. Iceland or something. <laughs> like, Nah, he's from Florida. Yeah. I guess several seasons in Chicago and then now in in Boston, you acclimate? I assume his body just takes any food he puts in it and burns it immediately to heat. Yeah. Honestly, given his build is like, can can I get you a sandwich? I did <laughs> remark like last I did remark last night that I I am shocked by the complete absence of ass that he has. I didn't think it was possible to have that little of an ass as a pitcher. There seems to be a genre of the flat Stanleys, and I don't understand where their power comes from. I just don't... I said it, magic. It, magic earlier. Like, ringwraith power. True, but then is Jacob deGrom also a ringwraith? Yeah, I was going to say, Jacob deGrom is kind of the opposite of a ringwraith. How is he the opposite of the, a ringwraith? He's kind of skinny, got no ass, good pitcher. It's a ringwraith. <laughs> <laughs> you guys heard it here first. I... Skinny pitchers who are good are ring wraiths. Yeah, I'm going to have to not agree on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think your your premise is faulty on the get-go <laughs> from, for there, but... Uh, you know what? And if you, if you, like, speak anything about their names, millions come out of the woodwork to, like, harass you about them. Kind of. I think those are just, like, hordes. The like, he has ring wraiths do not have Twitter stands. Okay. Is that Ringwraiths or is that Voldemort? Because I'm pretty sure that's Voldemort. I, either way. like I, there ha- There's a totally different cryptid that we are ignoring. And I don't know what it is because I am not a cryptidologist. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like Ringwraiths, there's no like name magic with Ringwraiths. There's nothing that will call the hordes of the endlessly stupid to come and scream at you. For the, the ring, ring does. The, the ring literally does that. The ring does. It's just not a name thing. The ring wraiths, though, don't. Yeah, they get called by the ring. But then they're the people that are getting summoned. They're not the people that are summoning others to defend them. I, you know what? They could bring along a friend. There's nine of them. That's a horde. Yeah. Yeah. But that so, makes like, them... one DeGrom and eight others to that just, like, makes... tweet furiously about DeGrom. That makes them the, the, the idiots on Twitter. Not the people being discussed by the idiots on Twitter. You're thinking about this too hard. It's a basic logical premise here, okay? <laughs> you have to follow it through. 
Got no ass. Got a lot of power. You're a ring wraith. I don't make the rules, okay? You know what? Chris Sale doesn't seem to be, like, no, no normal atmospheric conditions seem to fluster him. And he prefers clothing that is raggedy and cut up. So he's a white walker, then, not a ring wraith. Sure. Yeah, he's an, he's an elf. Let's kill him or a white walker. We can kill him with obsidian. It'll be fine. Do you think the Astros have tried that? Well, I don't know how much Tuve and Bregman would make really good hobbits. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Aww. Oh. I don't know what you're talking about. Alex Bregman is six feet tall. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> We're all six feet tall. Yeah. Eh, I would have settled for five. Oh, we could probably put Jose Altuve on Alex Bregman's shoulders and they would make one six foot tall person wielding obsidian at Chris Sale. It would be the same size as Chris Hill. Honestly, it would have livened up yesterday's game. Which, <laughs> yeah, ev- like the summary was, I'm melting. Time, time is a flat circle. I have experienced all time. Why is this four hours long, and how is it so boring? <laughs> I guess speaking of non-boring playoff games, <laughs> there have been some of those. There have been some of those. Yeah, the Dodgers Brewer series has thus far been good is what I'll say. Uh, The first game, it looked like it was going to be absolutely like the Brewers crushing the Dodgers, but the Dodgers came back and they still lost 6-5, but like they also, you know, came back and and were really threatening. I just need to say for the sake of all of us, Gio started an NLCS game and he did a fine job. He did. Yeah. He did. I I didn't really get, I had a wish list for that game. um, And my wish list was for Geo to be lights out and Kershaw to be lights out and then Hater to get totally blown up. And I didn't get any of those things really, but the closest that I got was Geo being fine. So I'll take half of one of my He's, three, I guess, as better than zero. He started a CS. Okay. Yes, we're very proud. I'm very happy for him. I'm trying to be greedy over here. <laughs> uh, you know what? He gave up one run. It was and one hit because yeah. it was a homer. Um, other than that, though, I, everyone was a little surprised, including him, when they pulled him in the in before, like before the third inning, because he had been fine. His pitch count was actually fairly low. Like, it was there was probably the plan all along, to be perfectly honest, just to get into the Brewers bullpen, which, uh, people aside, is a very yeah. talented bullpen. Oh no, it was for sure the plan all along. Yeah. But like when I say his pitch count was low, I mean we we all know that Gio could rack up some pitches in the first two innings. Um, I think he was at like thirty pitches. Yeah, I think he had like a fifteen pitch first inning, and yeah. Um, so oh, yeah, no, I mean Hater, I'm pretty sure got more outs than Gio did. Oh yeah, which yeah, is yeah. Like the opposite of the world I want to live in. We did experience uh, Brewers uh, relief pitchers hitting home runs. Yes. Yeah, I can't be too mad about like that happening off of Kershaw because that's just such a beautiful thing to happen. You guys know how much I love Kershaw when he's not destroying the Nationals, and even a little bit then, but like in a guilty way. Um, but <laughs> like I can't be mad about that happening off of him because I'm just so happy that that happened at all. A reliever yeah. hitting a home run in the postseason. I was delighted. Yes. I don't uh, have the affection for Kershaw that you have, so <laughs> it was all win for me. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, wait, what? Is he even allowed? Is that allowed to happen? Um, and and I guess he's the- like a baby, isn't he, that guy? Woodruff? Yeah. I think this is like his 
I'm not going to say it because I don't actually know, but he's like not been in the majors for very long. I don't think. I don't think. Uh, he's yeah, he's 25. I meant a baby as in like he he's a rookie. Yeah, he's just a little boy. I guess so. He made his debut in 2017 in August. Okay, so yeah, he's basically yeah September call up essentially from last year. Yeah, so, so this is this is his first real season. And uh, I feel like he might remember that moment. I feel like forever. I might remember that moment. Forever and ever and ever and ever. Um, he's the only pitcher in postseason history to hit a home run lefty on lefty. Can I ask a um, question that you guys probably don't actually know the answer to? But did he get the ball back? I hope he got the ball back. But in the playoffs, it's never a, a given. I don't know. I hope so. I didn't see anything about it. Yeah. I would assume so. Um, I would assume that they, like, whatever fan caught that, they might give him, like, a jersey or something. Um, just, like, that's obviously a cool thing to have. I, I mean, I feel like the, that ball, to be worth anything, which it would be worth a lot, like, you have to get it certified. So I feel like there's a, a pretty good incentive to give it back. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they uh, always send people out there and yeah. like to, to get that stuff. But I just hope he did because, you know. That's like a, I mean, for any relief pitcher, it's a huge deal. For any pitcher hitting a home run in general, it's a huge deal. And then the the confluence of circumstances makes that like, yeah. I will die with, bury this with me, please. <laughs> well, like, there, there's some like very serious history from Woodruff's family. His brother died a couple of years ago. Oh, jeez. Mm. And he hit his first career homer in the game after that happened. Mm. Um, his oh first God. professional homer, which was when he was in double A, um, was the uh, week after. It was right when he came back to the team. It was a week oh after his brother died. Um, and oh. then this was his first home run since that. Oh, my so, God. So, yes, Kay, everything <laughs> you just said. <laughs> like yeah. the perfect storm of, like, goddamn. Yeah. A lot of respect there. Yeah, no, that was that was an awesome moment. Yeah. Um, it's certainly a better sort of playoffs weird-ass circumstance than some other things that happened. Yeah, so, I mean, the the whole, like, Clayton Kershaw sucks in the postseason narrative is, like, whatever. It's not actually true. So, yeah, basically, like, like duck duck noises, adults from Charlie Brown noises. <laughs> that was a trombone with a... Womp-womp. With, with a, a womp mic. Or a um, mute. A plunger. Yeah. As a mute. It was not a real mute. It was a it was a toilet plunger as a mute. <laughs> I don't anyway. understand band people. <laughs> um, I played the trombone for about a minute. And the only thing I have retained is, though the mute looks like a toilet plunger, it is not literally the plunger from someone's bathroom. Well, That's no, good. you don't use a dirty one. Ew. What they used for that was literally somebody's toilet plunger. Ew. Oh. Okay, yeah, All right. That too. Anyway, so, like, by the numbers, everyone's like, oh, my God, Kershaw, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, did you guys miss that Yasmani Grandal kind of forgot that he was a catcher while <laughs> catching? Um, and I was like, man... Just, it's so improbable that somebody would have catcher's interference in the postseason and then, like, immediately, like, make an error on a passed ball. I mean, when has that happened before, ever? I don't know. It it's doesn't sound familiar. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. <sighs> Hi, Matt Weeders. How's the cat? Okay, we'll move along because I don't want to shit on Matt Weeders. Well, I just, I, I just wonder if, like, there's going to be a support group for this now. Two people. Like, like, if Yasmani Grandal and Matt Weeders are just going to get together and, like... Drink shitty coffee in a church basement and, like... It's called Catchers Catching Catchers. Emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, but please, can they have manicures together? Because I want catchers to have manicures together, and so far they're not doing it. I I want them to do that. I want them to invite Sandy Leone, who did not make a catcher's er- like an error yesterday, but he did hit Joe West with a baseball. <laughs> so he was doing a public service. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, so say we all. <laughs> <laughs> Including, uh, I think, McCutcheon on Twitter. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Andrew McCutcheon <laughs> just is like, Joe laughing crying emoji several of them yeah so i mean that was that was also amazing the ball's not dead after you hit an umpire like that i mean nope. the umpire is part of the field yep. yeah so i you know <laughs> it, it did sort of deaden the ball and kind of deflect it and make the the play a little bit easier um rather than just like jacking it into like middle like the middle mm-hmm. of center field but yeah everyone's like mm. It was worth it. The Red Sox eventually lost, but like in that moment, we all won. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to ask the guys next door if they think that we all won. Uh, I can so- really. It's like this barometer. There's like this kind of motorcycle gang that lives next door, and they're always hanging out in the garage with the garage door open because they have a TV in there, and like it's getting cold. But okay. I guess when you're in a motorcycle gang that hangs out in a garage, you you're like on the planet Chris Sale is on. And you don't notice. So basically, I hear all their sports reactions. I have to ask a question. Mm. Are we talking like a legitimate motorcycle gang? Or are we talking about a bunch of college students who are pretending? No, these are like middle-aged dudes with motorcycles. Okay. okay. Yeah, they're Is in it a, a motorcycle gang or people who ride motorcycles? I don't know. They scare me. I try not to talk to them. Do they do meth? Or make <laughs> meth? I don't know. I've never gone over there. I think you would know. So probably not. <laughs> What are the towels? Do they have all their teeth? Eh? Do they smell funny things? Does smoke come out of their house sometimes? Not usually. Okay. They're probably not making meth. Back to baseball. Back back to baseball. <laughs> back to baseball. Uh, hitting Joe West with a ball is just like emotionally what I needed. <laughs> yeah. It's Speaking nice to have of- highlights of the postseason. <laughs> so the umpiring in the postseason has been pretty horrendous so i've heard um unfortunately i haven't been able to watch much of it um and Brittany de la creta who always has important observations has of course pointed out that with how dismal the umpiring has been in the postseason we still somehow don't have a single female ump in the majors like we can have people who literally can't see five feet in front of them yep and yet like oh women no that would make this worse uh, there was a ball a called ball yesterday that was in the middle of the strike zone. Mm-hmm. Like the middle. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, well, it wasn't inside or outside or up or down because it was in the middle. <laughs> yep. Like it was the Kansas of called balls. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, what? What? Yeah, it was like a, I don't, I don't know what pitch it was, but it was something that was, I think was supposed to, to break a little bit more than it did, and then it, it did not. Um, yeah. But still, it was like, uh That's supposed to fool the batter, not the umpire. Yeah. You know, it's really tricky. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed. Yeah, the, the but, umpiring has not been great. I think we all kind of felt some catharsis about Joe West, but I can tell you that, like, the strike zone has been... was In the first Brewers-Dodgers uh, game was... Uh, Justin Turner struck out on a bunch of things that Justin Turner was like, uh, those weren't strikes. Um, and he's one of those guys that like, he knows when it's a strike and when it isn't. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Unlike the umpires. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't get get tossed. Um, Alex Cora did get tossed. Did yes. get tossed yesterday. Yes. Um, On a ball that was called a strike. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it was a Benintendi strikeout called. Can I? Can... And Alex Cora came out to to fight for Benintendi's honor, as we all would. Can I say something? Because this is not a reflection on my feelings about Benintendi, because I like him just fine. My brain has difficulty parsing his last name sometimes, so now I just call him B-Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm fairly comfortable continuing to call him B-Nintendo. Yeah, I, I pronounce him, like, Benatani. <laughs> I feel... Well, somebody in our fantasy league a couple years ago had a team called Benintentional Walk. Hmm. I think I never actually got that until you just said it. So thank I you. don't know if that's how it was intended to be pronounced, but that was my best guess. I'm sure that that's exactly what what it meant was meant to be, and I just didn't get it. Anyway, I think we probably exhausted uh, most of our playoff talk. It's like it's been sort of like an interesting. A lot of stuff is going on in the postseason, and also it's all really boring. Because it's not, it's like not really about us. I mean, I can you, I can be interested in the postseason when it's not about the Nationals, but it hasn't actually been that interesting. Like the DS flew by. Yeah. You know, some good things happened in both DSs. Um, or the Barb's getting eliminated is always a good thing. Yep. And Cleveland getting eliminated always yep. a good thing. And like, um, you know, the Yankees getting eliminated always a good thing to circle back around to the topic of the, the start. But like, <laughs> otherwise it was just like, Oh, and the whole week, the week went by and we were out of the NLDS or and the NALDS. And I was like, how, I mean, none of them, did any of them go to game five? I don't think so. Mm-mm. It yeah. was just take a pounding and like, goodbye. Yeah. So like uh, the Cleveland was eliminated in three, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Atlanta the Rockies was el- swept too. Yeah, Rockies got swept. Um, Atlanta was eliminated in four. Um, yeah. So like, and the I, Sox and the Yankees went four. Yeah, it was game four that that the whole neighborhood was yelling through. <laughs> it's just weird to go to a postseason in which there is no game five of the of an NLDS, and you're not crying after. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Not only were we not crying, but there just wasn't one. Yeah. You know what? In honor of the Nationals, we've eliminated Game 5 of the NLTS. Oh <laughs> like, Please. in deference Please. to Nationals fans everywhere. Um, I did, like, on Twitter, somebody was like, your Halloween costume is, like, sexy, whatever you fear most. And both Lara and Nat Squid went sexy NLDS Game 5. Oh, God, yes. And I don't think... I think, I think the Squid posted it first, but I hadn't seen that when i said it too it's just like if you ask me what my knee jerk on that is it's just gonna be game five so thank you thank you postseason for not not making making us go face that yeah i mean i was i was with um other i was i was at a conference um and so it was fun to watch with other baseball fans who were fans of other teams as well though none were fans of the teams that we were actually watching um but that's still made it you know a fun experience um but yeah that's why i feel like the the ds went so quickly is because like none of them went to game five yeah um and a bunch didn't even go to game four we might we might get out of the postseason in october oh my god isn't that nuts that's nuts we might finish in october because this the world series is supposed to start on the 23rd right Mm mm-hmm 
So, yeah. Depending on, I don't know how many travel days are built into that, but. It's so weird, because, like, we talked about chaos last episode. And all of the baseball chaos. And obviously there was tremendous baseball chaos. And now it's all just, like. It's kind of gone. It's yeah. just kind of gone. There's not a whole lot of chaos left. Business as usual. Yeah, like some some fairly, I would say, unspectacular business as usual. No. Um, and like there have been some really, really good moments. Like, as we said, relief pitchers, you know, hitting home runs has been fun. Um, but yeah, everyone's kind of went, okay, this is fine. Yeah. It will be fine. The one sad thing about the about Atlanta being out of the playoffs is that uh the Atlanta organist has also been eliminated from the postseason. Oh. He he is a good. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, I think trolling Daniel Murphy by playing Born This Way is maybe one of my it favorite is. things. <laughs> um, even, even, like, I will even take, like, playing New York, New York when Bryce came up to the plate, because I'm like, that's some good trolling, guys. Yeah. Well, and he did um, Go Cubs Go, too, didn't he? He did, he like, did. every city yeah. that has already decided they're claiming price. Why does a team I hate so much have to have some good stuff on it? Like an organist or an Acuna or an Albies? Because the world is complicated and doesn't do what we want it to. Ain't that the truth? Yeah, right. I am happy they're they're gone. Obviously for a variety of reasons, but also because I forgot how awful watching home games in Atlanta is. Yeah. It's they're an slowly- embarrassment. It's yeah. honest to God just an embarrassment. It's horrifying on a national level. And it just, it's an embarrassment. And they printed goddamn towels that said something, something, the chop. I don't even care what the first part was. It's like, fuck you, stop doing that. Maybe that should be our rally towels that just say, fuck you, stop doing it. Swear jar. Anyway, hopefully next time we'll have a little bit more to talk about. We may or may not be past the World Series. We might be in the middle of the World Series. We'll see where we are when we're there. But um, coming up next, <laughs> uh, we have a segment that's a little bit different from our normal segment. So we actually had a chance to sit down and talk with Adrian Burgos of La Vida Baseball, um, which if you're not familiar with the site, definitely go check out because they're doing some really awesome work um, about Latino players in baseball. Um, and so we wanted to to get that to y'all before the before Hispanic Heritage Month is over, which it ends the uh, October 15th. And then after the interview, we'll be back with a brief Queer Fancy Stouts update. Adrian, do you want to tell us, tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am a New Yorican, that is a Puerto Rican born in New York. And I learned of the love of baseball from my grandmas who were diehard Yankee fans. And so uh, we're all in mourning. But it also brings out the story of like, but we're also very proud of someone like Alex Cora, who, you know, is a manager of the Red Sox and has taken his team to the next level. And a lot of what we do at La Vida Baseball is talk about the passion for baseball that Latinos have, whether they're from Cuba, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Mexico, or, you know, those of us from here in the United States. Yes, I'm uh, apologies to, to <laughs> you and your grandpa. <laughs> um, yes, we are, as Nationals fans, know what playoff heartbreak looks like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, our condolences yeah. on that. Um, and happy Hispanic Heritage Month. Absolutely. That's, I mean, yes. That, that's another part of why. And the thing, one of our models at La Vida is like 
every day is Hispanic Heritage Day at La Vida Baseball because that's our reason for being. And, you know, really shining a light onto those perspectives and all those fans who love baseball, who are Latino and wherever they come from, you know, the, the unique ways they celebrate our culture, our heritage and our love of the game. How did the site get started? The site is a partnership with the Baseball Hall of Fame. And we had a couple of years of development and just trying to conceptualize how best to present these Latino voices uh, through video form, through written form. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. But the, the thing was, like, what's our voice? What's our brand? And what we really settled on was a place that celebrates the Latino passion for baseball. We approached the Hall of Fame to form that partnership because, you know, one of the really fascinating dimensions of this is the Hall of Fame is being transformed right now. There's going to be a wave of Latino players. And then when you look at the demographics of living Hall of Famers, it's going to become more and more Latino. The likelihood of Mariano joining Vladimir Guerrero next year and Pud Rodriguez was two years ago. And, mm -hmm. and just being able to tell the story about where these people came from and where the love of the game emanated from, how baseball is about community, about family. And that's where the Hall of Fame really jumped the board and said, yes, let's form this partnership because we need to reach out to Latinos. We need to let them know that you know, we want to celebrate their contribution to the game. And I am a historian by training. I'm a professor at the University of Illinois. And it was a natural fit to kind of go beyond scholarly work to go to a more public space to allow Latinos and particularly those who are English dominant. And we've seen studies about how Latinos in the U.S. consume their sports news in English. And that is the space we hope to fill for them. So when you started this partnership with the Hall of Fame, was that before or after you worked on the Viva Baseball exhibit with them? That was after we uh, did the work on Viva Baseball. Viva Baseball is now nine years old. Next oh, year will wow. be 10 okay. years since we started. I was part of the advising team. And one of the interesting things is that Teamworks Media approached the Baseball Hall of Fame about how do we make Viva Baseball 21st century in terms of reaching out? Most baseball fans will not, and this is unfortunate because I love the Baseball Hall of Fame, but most of them will not get to Cooperstown. So mm -hmm. how do we bring Cooperstown to them? And that's what La Vida Baseball ultimately does is brings those great stories that's in the Viva Baseball exhibit and moves beyond that, opens up the archive that is there at the, in Cooperstown to tell stories from inside the Hall of Fame to give also Latino players a platform to speak directly to their fans, to their audience. Is there, um, do you feel that MLB has supported that sort of outreach beyond just sort of the, the Viva Baseball exhibit? MLB is a different entity than the National Baseball Hall of Fame. And I, sure. I give credit oh, yes, to the Hall of Fame for their efforts in, in partnering with us and getting uh, this content out to the public. <laughs> The Hall of Fame, you know, saw its importance. I think MLB itself is making certain efforts, but one of the spaces that we saw was the U.S. Latino audience was not being addressed. Much of the work of MLB is Latin America facing and it's in Spanish and it's not providing English language content. The majority of Latinos in the United States are third plus generation and they're consuming their sports in Spanish, excuse me, they're reading their sports in English, although we might watch it in Spanish because of the cultural dimension of how it's broadcast. 
if you guys heard, and I'm switching sports here, mm-hmm. but uh, Gano, 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 Lo Gano, uh, the Carolina Panthers kicker winning in the Spanish language broadcast, you know, there's that passion that we love to hear in those broadcasts that um, doesn't always come across on English language. Although I, I would give credit to guys like Eduardo Perez and also Carlos Peña and Pedro Martinez, various points, they really bring our voice, our language as Latinos into the public sphere of sports fandom. And, you know, that's why we are as La Vida. We want to show people how that passion, that joy, that sadness when your team loses, um, all of that comes together and it gives us, you know, a sense of who we are. Yeah, it's interesting. So, so in terms of the teams that do and don't have a Spanish language broadcast, the Nationals do not. Um, either on the radio or on TV at the moment, have a Spanish language broadcast. The Yankees, of course, do. Um, do they have TV and radio both? Yes, the Yankees do have TV and radio broadcasts. Well, and let me give you something else. This is really interesting because the Atlanta Braves over the last couple of years has branded Los Bravos as a year-round Latino brand. And they do year-round events. They wear the jerseys at home and on the road more than once. You know, there's certain teams, uh, the Brewers wear it a couple of times a year. The D-backs become Los D-backs a couple of times a year. It went from a number of teams doing it once a year and, you know, Hispanic Heritage Month time to now the Braves are really at the forefront. And this is, I think, helping to popularize a player like Ronald Acuna Jr. Because... You know, the fans get to see his Latino-ness along with his blackness, along with his fantastic baseball player-ness. <laughs> and, you know, and then they get to appreciate more of who Acuna is. And it, it's working on the level that Acuna has this popularity am- among these young fans, the fan base, not just in Atlanta, but beyond. Yeah, no, he's he's fabulous. And um, a lot of people on Twitter were putting the Enya in their display names in support of him and sort of as either part of or incidentally to the whole Ponle Asento campaign. And that, as someone who doesn't have a whole lot of love for the Braves, that particular thing was really cool to see. Um, whereas, you know, not every team is doing that. A lot of places aren't even pronouncing the names right that have Enya's because they're just ignoring them. We have a running joke about um, Año <laughs> on the, on the yeah, podcast. you don't want to go yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one of those really, really great examples is the difference between Peña and Pena. Like, Pena is like, oh, what a pity. Whereas Pena is a strong rock, something mm-hmm. you can anchor yourself on. You know, it's like, yeah, it makes a difference. But that's yeah. a slightly more PG version. <laughs> yes. But my favorite was always Papa, 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 like the potato, the Pope, or your father, depending yeah. on the emphasis. Yeah. Um, bon but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and especially when the national broadcast for the Braves game could not pronounce Acuna's name correctly. Um, <laughs> but somehow Adam Adovino, or what is, yeah, is Adovino? got a, mm-hmm. an Enya in his name. Oh, right. Oh. They added it to him instead of giving it to Acuna. <laughs> On average, they got it right. Uh, yeah. Average well, number well, of Enyas. <laughs> my, my running joke was always, if a broadcaster can pronounce Shashevsky, why can't they do Ro- Rodriguez or Acuna? Yeah, huh? yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of why can't they. I think yeah. of uh, Uzo Aduba's quote about if they can do Tchaikovsky... Dostoevsky, mm-hmm. but we all know why, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> yeah. So go figure. 
Yeah, the Nationals recently started a Spanish language Twitter account. They really haven't done a whole lot on the field. Um, they've had the Hispanic Heritage Nights. I don't know if 2012 was the first one. I was at the one in 2012, which was notable because it was the night that they clinched the first playoff spot ever. Um, so I have some very fond <laughs> memories of the Nationals 2012 Hispanic Heritage Night. I have a t-shirt from that. They were doing a slogan that year that was Ignite Your Natitude. And so they gave out these t-shirts that said Enciende Tu Natitude. And so I still have that. Um, but it's not even a slogan they use anymore. Um, but then they finally made a Twitter account a couple of years ago, Los Nacionales, and I got really annoyed at them for having p content that was like 20 minutes behind and not even translating any of the stuff on the graphics. And I was basically like, I was one of the ones saying you guys needed this and now you did it and it's basically lip service. And I got blocked for my trouble. <laughs> so if Las, if Las Nacionales is a better account now than it was a couple years ago, I wouldn't be the one to be able to tell because I'm still blocked. Um, but if anyone is not blocked and wants it's, to find out if they've improved, I yeah. would hope that they would have, but I don't know. It's somewhat better is the short answer, but it's not great. And and so, you know, it's, it's interesting depending... I feel like teams have to see other teams have success in having Spanish language broadcasts, in having Spanish language Twitter, um, in sort of doing these things and putting you know it on the uniforms before they're willing to do them. And so what that means is very few teams are actually willing to do it. Because you have and, to take that. Yeah, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. you have to take the risk. Um, and you know the Nationals clearly don't see a lot of profitability, and we know that that's generally what drives well, the MLB. Sorry, go ahead. Just to jump in on that Nationals talk, and that is, you know, when you have a 19-year-old Juan Soto who's going to be the face of the, the franchise, mm -hmm. you have to do more, and you have to make sure you, you market him and you give him the this, this space to grow as, a, as the next Bryce Harper. Um, <laughs> and, you know... We hope. Th this is really where we at La Vida try to you know, engage both the teams and the audience. And, you know, we, we sat down with Soto earlier this year when we ran Compton on him and really hit. Um, and you have other guys like Anthony Rendon and Gio Gonzalez who are mm -hmm. on the team until Gio got traded. Oh, um, you didn't have to bring that up, did you? <laughs> he's in the playoffs. He's in a better place. Yes, he's in a better place. <laughs> and, 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 you know, being able to sit down with these players and, and allowing them to tell their stories and share their stories regardless of language is what we aim to do. And a lot of our video content, we run it with subtitles in English or Spanish, depending on what language the individual spoken so that the audience can really engage the, the content and they want to hear from the Juan Soto's and Anthony Rendon's and Gio Gonzalez about what it means to be Latino coming from, whether it's coming from Venezuela, Cuba, Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico. Yeah. I still can't believe you guys got, Anthony Rendon to talk about his feelings at all in any language, in any context. Yeah. That, that's a big shout out to Henry Pacheco, our, our social media guy who, uh, who got Henry to, to share some, some time. And actually when the nationals came through Chicago, he actually got a pound from, uh, from uh, Anthony, although we didn't get another uh, sit down, but we'll, we'll take the pound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that kind of leads into something else I was thinking like, how are the players themselves when they, because obviously you're getting direct inter interaction with some of them. What is their response? Or, I mean, are they just kind of like, oh God, here's more media? Or are they actually like, do you feel something a little different from them you know, because of what you're trying to do? We're in year two at La Vida and they're, they recognize the brand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, 
they see what we're doing. And I think that we're getting a lot of respect from them on that level because they know we're about an authentic Latino voice. And there's not that kind of media that's, that is there in the U.S., targeting a U.S. Latino audience, but also giving these players a forum to speak to a broader international um, space as well. And so last year, when we were talking with uh, players about Hurricane Maria and, you know, um, Carlos Beltran did a shout out to the people in Puerto Rico during the middle of the playoffs, you know, speaking right to us at La Vida from, uh, you know, into the cell phone to, to talk to the people in Puerto Rico. And the players have been very receptive to what we are aiming to do. And, you know, that's something we take great pleasure, joy, and feel honored when they share our content and retweet it when players are commenting on what we've put. And it's like, wow, that's really cool. And sometimes they're replying to when we put up a Yadier Molina graphic with the Puerto Rican flag behind it. One of the things that got me was Joe Jimenez was like, that is so cool. Where did you get that done? And, and we're <laughs> like, it was La Vida Baseball. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think it's, well, for us as very sort of hyper-focused on, on, I guess, one team, um, it is new for us as a, as an organization to have, as you said, the future face of the franchise be somebody whose uh, first language isn't, isn't English. Um, and so they, they made, a, I guess, one of the reasons they, they gave for justifying hiring Davey Martinez, which we're not going to go into all of the drama about, uh, but was that he speaks Spanish, uh, but also that, like, we sort of, our media coverage internally has to adjust um, to it, especially with Soto, who's, I think, learned English in the past couple of years um, yeah. and is still, you know, he's a kid, literally. Mm -hmm. um, still a teenager. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's mentioned it, um, but you know, how, what kind of response have you gotten from players about like their comfort level of oh, I can be interviewed and then you know it can be trans you know in Spanish and it be translated or if they or say some oh you know or some of each or if they prefer to do the video in English and then you're going to subtitle it sort of what has been the the response from them about it? The players feel so much at ease when we tell them. And if I know English, in English or in Spanish, look at Duque, like what you want to do, we'll do it. And for some of the guys, they're like, all right, well, you know, let's do it in Spanish. And for us, it's like, whatever language you feel best telling your story, we can translate it. That's not a problem. We want to see their emotion of telling the story. And so when we sat down with Gio earlier this year, he did it all in English, but part of his story was, when, as a professional, major league player is when he actually started picking up his Spanish because a lot of the Latin American players says, man, with the name like Gio Gonzalez, you know, you should speak Spanish. And he's like, well, I don't know. And they taught him. And he was like so excited to share that story. It's like his Latin American born teammates taught him to recover his Spanish language heritage. And I that is that what La is for. Yeah, that's, that's that was really such wonderful. a great story. I'm getting yeah. a little emotional. Oh, <laughs> she gets emotional about Gio Gonzalez very easily. Uh, <laughs> granted, we all do, but Gio, Gio sort of engenders engenders all of that emotion. Well, to switch gears a little bit so that we don't cause Kay to cry too much, or me, or me for that matter. I'm very I'm very emotional about Gio. I'm not going to put this all on Kay. Um, so, as one of the handful of 
podcasts around that's hosted by all women, one of the things that we like to ask about when we're talking to anybody on any platform is about how they are reaching out to women, non-binary people, non-men in general. Um, there were a few different things going around on Twitter in the last couple of weeks, sort of conversations about women of color in particular being really underrepresented in sports media. Um, I know you have a couple people, a few people that I follow um, who are women who are writing for La Vida, but how do you kind of see that as part of the plan? You know, this is a, a really important issue. And one of the things that we've done is to reach out and, you know, work with women writers like Isabel um, Manasian, who's out in Seattle, who writes really great content. And um, a couple of times we've had a, another writer out of Kat Garcia out of Chicago, who actually now was hired by the Athletic Milwaukee. And oh, what, what was a she? Mid She's great. Yeah, like what a mid-season move for her. Because <laughs> you know, uh, she is celebrating. She's in the locker rooms when, uh, when they're celebrating now. You know, so it, it's great for her. And we actually feel really great when we see that we played a little role in, in you know, working with cats, you know, writers like that. And our goal is to get those voices in being part of why we exist. You know, I learned baseball from the love of baseball from my grandmothers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've written about that. And when I can have a writer like Isabel start writing for us and producing great content and have helping her to amplify her voice, I think that's great. Uh, we, we've had some Chicago content also produced by Ramona Arce and a few other women. And we are open to having more women, you know, we've kind of used our network to bring more women voices in and we're happy to have even more because their perspective is vital. They're part of how we learn the game in, in multiple generations, but they see the game as in, in different ways and that are really important to understand the full gamut of the Latina, Latino experience in the game, about the game, and the passion for it. And, and this is what La Vida is going to get better because we have those voices as part of our team. So to sort of tack onto that, um, we really enjoyed watching the Women's Baseball World Cup earlier this year. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, a whole lot, particularly, I, I will say, Team Venezuela. Yes, um, they're amazing. They were amazing. Um, do you guys have any plans to extend coverage to women's baseball as well? Or are you, are you uh, planning to focus mostly on MLB? Well, our primary focus is on MLB, but one of our pillars is about baseball in the community. And so because of that, you've seen us reach out at various moments and, and cover the story of, um, of Little League Baseball um, coming out of Venezuela, coming out of Puerto Rico and Mexico. And the Women's Baseball Classic, we had a number of discussions and we, we ran a couple of graphics, but we, you know, part of it is getting a reporter there. And as we continue to grow and, and hire more freelancers so that we can, you know, send them out to cover this, it, it's going to be in the future of what we do because we, we cover the MLB circuit, but we also cover the game now and then in the Latino community. And that's also going to be a, a big part of the story. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think that they've really finalized or even really discussed yet where the next Women's Baseball World Cup is going to be held. Um, but two years ago, it was in Korea. This year, it was in Florida. I would not be at all surprised if it's somewhere in Latin America in two years. Um, so that would be very, very cool to have somebody from La Vida who was able to cover that. Um, we 
are obviously very partial to the event itself just because it's it's such a great I mean the women's world cup was an amazing experience to watch just as a fan um, yeah, I, I caught a couple of games with Puerto Rico involved before they were knocked out I think by Venezuela <laughs> <laughs> well and frankly there are some there are some really wonderful players on team USA as well who are um, Latina Latina American yeah so Jade Gortares mm-hmm. Brittany Gomez um, and so they're they're really fabulous as well as players and as well as, um, as I've heard some great interviews with the two of them as well. Um, so definitely in the future, we would really love if you guys are able to have the capacity, depending on where it's held. Um, yeah, we would yeah. be your biggest fans on that coverage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and we also welcome, you know, pitches from freelancers who might be covering it anyway and are looking for an outlet of, uh, to amplify their voice to get that content out there. So, you know. That that's an, another route in which we've gotten really wonderful content. Good to know. Yeah, I was going to say we do know uh, a number <laughs> of folks who freelance listen to this <laughs> and are very interested in that. So, um, you know, here's hoping here's hoping when it when it's next held, we can get we can get some great content and even maybe in the in the run up to that um, with a possibly increasing focus on women's baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, so, We're increasing our focus on women's baseball. We yeah. hope everyone else is too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant like in terms of it, it seems to come up more but maybe it's just i'm looking for it more uh, i think it might be a little bit of both yeah i see i definitely feel like since this past one in particular there's been more awareness and more we need to have the talk talk yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in talking with some of the uh, the last couple of years working at all-star fan fest i've had the opportunity of interviewing the women from the league of their own the all-american mm-hmm. girls professional mm-hmm. baseball league and they've really have been joined onto the effort to expand women baseball and getting girls into baseball and really pushing mlb to invest in women playing baseball and so that's been you know for me a joy talking with them in those spaces because you know to use the word they're a hoot <laughs> they, they are rambunctious and and a few times i just have to step back and let them tell their stories because they don't need a moderator but they're so committed to really getting young girls and, and young women involved in baseball as players so that you know it's hardball it's a it's a game and it's different than softball both are very excellent uh games but they are different games um so i know we've we've talked a lot about current coverage um but you know it seems like there's a good amount of of historical coverage which makes sense given the partnership um with the hall of fame um on the site and i know i i had the chance to to look through um the two-part article on ted williams sort of Mm -hmm. debating um his identity uh, a little bit sort of given that his his mother was um of mexican descent I, though i think she was u.s born um mm-hmm. can you just tell us where that idea came from and what it was sort of like writing that and and editing it as well yeah we have talked about this idea for over a year and a half um and it was part, partly about how best to frame it um because as i wrote identity is a very tricky thing and part of the way I approached it was, and, and both I and Jesus approached it was, you know, we're, we're going to take a side in the debate, but we're not deciding it once and for all. These are the kinds of discussions that come up in family reunions and discussions around, you know, sometimes around a bar, whether it be a coffee bar or, you know, whatever kind of bar you go to. And, 
you know, most people don't didn't know the backstory of Ted Williams. He he wasn't public with it. And I, I as a historian, one of the things was, did he acknowledge it when he was a player? Did the other players who were Latino, who who were being affected by the ethnocentrism of white American players in the major leagues, did they feel a, um, a brotherhood, a fellow Latino out there when they saw Ted? Did he protect them? Did he work? You know, those are important things because they're the kinds of issues that actually continue today. And how much do U.S. Latinos form brotherhood, sisterhood, allyship with other Latinos? These are huge issues when you have Latino children in tent camps. And you know, <laughs> so for us, bringing together the current and the historical and why we feel these issues like yeah, I can go there through Ted Williams' story. <laughs> and I think a lot of times yeah. we do that in, in casual conversations that we often don't hear in U.S. media. But among Latinos, we're like, yeah, we'll talk about it, you know, and pass me the burrito. And you know what? You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was really interesting to read about. I'm, I'm sort of Boston born and raised. And let me tell you, they don't tell you about that question on the Fenway Park tour. They tell you a lot about Ted Williams, but they do not mention the eternal question of his ethnic identity. They just kind of leave the whole thing out. And I think, you know, I don't really trust the Fenway Park tour to treat the nuance of it as it should be. So I'm glad that I'm glad that you guys are, um, because otherwise it would either go untold potentially, or it might be told by those who couldn't really break down all the all the nuance of the situation. So it's it's great to hear what you guys have to say about it, it's great to, to be able to learn from that conversation mm -hmm. um, from people who understand the issue best. Yeah, and I yeah. think even among the baseball nerd community, which I think we're, we're all firmly ensconced in, <laughs> um, I know I mentioned that to somebody who's, who's in said baseball nerd community, and he had no idea. So I think even beyond, you know, obviously not mentioning it on the Fenway Park tour is, is a big indicator, <laughs> but also just in terms of people who have an, an avid interest in baseball um, and the sort of historical context for baseball that's that's not very well known and i think making it sort of yeah part of the a modern d contemporary mm -hmm. discussion makes a lot of sense this is a great jumping off point for both us and for lots of baseball fans and honestly the best place to go and learn more about this is at Levita, like them getting in and like doing this work and getting nitty-gritty about it getting nitty gritty about it, getting into the nitty gritty of it. Um, we can even know. get jiggy with it. Uh, uh, now that it's going to be stuck in my head for the rest of the night. Um, uh, Adrian, do you want to, you want to give, give all of our listeners some links? So you, you probably have some more specifics for us. Yeah, absolutely. People can follow us on Twitter at La Vida Baseball. We're also on Instagram and I, I shout out to our social media team. They do great graphics and you'll see lots of Yasiel Puig because he's, <laughs> he's a darling. Um, and you can follow us at LaVitaBaseball.com. Go directly to our website. We put up daily content, two, three stories a day on Facebook. You can follow us. You'll find our videos there on YouTube. You can follow us on YouTube directly. And we're putting up videos just about every day, fresh content. And it's both historical and current, and it's about telling Latino stories and how we have that passion for baseball. And I think I can safely say if anybody isn't looking for more Yasiel Puig in their day, <laughs> they're doing it wrong. Especially this time of year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is a delight. Great. 
if you're if you don't want more Yasiel Puig content, why are you listening to this to our podcast? Um, <laughs> for the record, we almost never talk about him. But we in spirit, almost, he is terrific. In, like, in he's spirit, terrific. he's always with us. <laughs> in actual content, we kind of just don't talk about the left side of the country. <laughs> but we could start talking about Puig. All right, maybe this is yes. a sign. Before yeah. before we get into an maybe actual episode, about- yeah. Thank you uh, so much for being here with us today, Adrian. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yes, on. thank you yes, so Next much. time we'll talk about Pleak. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Well, we hope you that you enjoyed that interview. Obviously, if you enjoyed it and are looking for more La Vida baseball content, please check out all of the social media that we mentioned that Adrian mentioned in that episode. Before we go, though, we do want to give you uh, one more queer fancy stats update, and then we'll say goodbye until next time, Laura. Yeah, so Queer Fancy Stats is ongoing in the postseason in honor or maybe not in honor of um, Hater and Newcomb. Newcomb is thankfully now gone since the barbs are gone, um, but Hater remains a postseason player. So as of yesterday, which was the 13th, the total was up to $31.20 for the postseason. And that includes both the pitching statistics from Hader and Newcomb, as well as Hader's strikeout as a hitter, um, which he had after coming in in relief for several innings. He actually had a plate appearance and he struck out. Um, so that did count towards his donation total. And so everyone is aware the donations from the postseason are going to the DC Center, which is an organization in DC for the LGBT community. And you can find them on Twitter at the DC Center. And as always, if you're looking to match donations, if you're looking for more information or the spreadsheet tracking the donations, you can find all of those at Queer Fancy Stats on Twitter. All right. Um, anything we want to say before we come back to presumably somewhere in the middle of the World Series next time? No? Okay. All right. No, not really. <laughs> all right. I mean, we'll just see where we are when we get there. Um, for all of us, check us out our website, wrestlingpitchface.com. There are links there to our Twitter, Resting Pitch Face with no G, uh, our email, restingpitchface.com, our merch store, and really any other way you might want to get a hold of us. I'm Kay. I'm Laura. And I'm Sydney. Let's go Nats. Let's go Nats. Let's go Nats. Please come back, Tyler. It's just not the same since you went away. We really miss your Besides, there's no other team who uses chocolate